And welcome, folks, to Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gregory, and we're here to talk about Marvel comics, Marvel movies, Marvel things, and uh, more Marvel things, because we're making it Marvel, I guess, sort of, yeah, whatever. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Uh, with me tonight are uh, Nick and Jess. How are y'all doing? I'm good. And so am I. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, well, tonight we got we got a treat for you. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the new some of the new titles that have been announced with Marvel's Fresh Start. I still think that's a shitty name for an initiative, but we'll get to that. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit in the second half of the episode about Infinity Countdown number one, the beginning the beginning of the beginning of Marvel's newest event. Even though they said that we weren't going to get another one of those for eighteen months, I digress. We'll get there. Uh, but before we do both of those things, our last episode, we talked a little bit about the Black Panther movie that is sweeping the nation right now. And uh, Nick has gone to see it again. And Jess wasn't with us last last time. And uh, Nick said he had some uh, some hot takes for the for round two. So, Nick, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah. So um, the other day, uh, long story short, I like impulse went to see it again because um, I have movie pass and why not? Um, and yeah, totally, totally different experience this time. Um, I, for those who listened to last time, you'll know. But for those who didn't, um, I loved it the first time around. I pretty much loved like everything about it. Um, the second time, all of the freshness and all of the just uniqueness of you know everything. Uh, yeah, just like every aspect of it, like that layer of freshness wasn't as shocking to me. So when I went in, I really was able to see everything below that. And I felt like there were just a ton of flaws below that level. Uh, So for instance, I felt like, yeah, I felt like the story just, it, it, the thing that I loved about the story was the whole uh, Killmonger storyline and what that meant. Um, but that really doesn't get going until the final quarter of the movie. Um, and until then, it's really just a lot of just things happening. It's Some of it is set up and some of it really is just stuff happening for the sake of happening. Um, so, I mean, the, the movie still had amazing sound design. I still stand by that. Um, the costumes and the way that it, you know, brought in African culture and... Uh, you know, all of that was still there, but <clears throat> when you're when you're expecting it, it's not as exciting. And when you don't have that extra level of excitement, I mean, for me at least, when I didn't have that extra level of excitement and newness, uh, I felt like it was pretty much on par with most other Marvel movies, which I'm not usually a big fan of. So that was my hot take for that. Um, I don't know if Kevin, you want to say something, or if uh, Jess wanted to. Yeah, Jess, jump why don't in. why don't you why don't you go ahead and jump in? Um, so I only saw it the one time, and the thing I liked about it is is that it took its time, kind of getting to where it was going to go, because I feel like the amount of world building that movie did. It only took them one movie to do that, compared to something like Thor that basically took two whole movies to get there. Um, so I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I also don't mind it. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I I get that. And I, I like things that take their time, but I felt like when you don't have, like I said, just the freshness, when when you've already been exposed to it, I feel like there's nothing deeper there. You know, like there's nothing that gets revealed in extra layer uh, when you rewatch it. It's just, it is what it is on the surface. Yeah, that's, oh, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. I mean, to be fair though, I don't usually rewatch the Marvel movies. I'm very bad at that. Um, the few that I have given a couple more rewatches to, I didn't like it. Like I find the Guardian, the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy movies really annoying. <laughs> now, um, I, I think they're really annoying. I mean, the first one to me, like that whole last act is obnoxious. So um, now I kind of want to watch this again to see if that work, if that happens with me and Black Panther, because I really liked it. It really stood out as something so different and unique to me. But now I'm wondering, now I kind of want to see it again to see if that, if that holds up for me as well with the plot. Yeah. And maybe these movies, I mean, at the end of the day, they're just blockbuster action movies, you know, like maybe you shouldn't be expecting so much more. And obviously it's cool. Like what this means, uh, like Black Panther having an all almost all black cast and black director and all that. Um, I mean, that's great for what it means, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like an, a particularly amazing movie. Yeah. So that's, that's all really interesting. I think some of that is, is stuff that I, I guess saw on my, on my first viewing. Cause it's not, it's not a perfect movie. Like it's not a, um, like if I, if I were to review it, like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't 10 out of 10 or whatever. Cause there are like some weird plot holes in the middle that like don't get resolved and, and all that stuff. But I think, I think there's a big difference between what, what something accomplishes or what, yeah. Like the, what it means and the, like the actuality of it, I guess. Um, like, like there's something, there's something magical about, about black Panther. There's something magical about like, the world, like the world building of it, like Jess said, and the, like, um, like the nature of Wakanda and, and all that stuff. But like at the end of the day, layered on top of all this newness and all this like magic is just like a, um, an archetypal Marvel movie. Um, but it's, it's so interesting, I guess, how we talk about, how we talk about like, like stories and how we talk about, um, like themes and ideas and like things that matter, I guess. Uh, Cause at the end of the day, I think like, I think Mar- I think black Panther's getting all this praises because like it handles these themes and it handles these ideas and it means so much more to, um, to the black community and also j- and just like to, to the world and to, and to the United States and to like all these, it speaks to all these other cultural things. And it's almost like you can overlook some of the flaws because you just have something that like hits all the points super, super well. Like I can, like we're all people who, who review comics or who think about comics a lot. And we're going to do that in the second part of this episode. Um, but like on some level, you can't just like review, review, like you can't just like review a comic and like not talk about the things that it does well, or like not talk about like the way that it handles like certain, certain issues or certain ideas or certain like beauty, beautiful, um, just like moral things. Like you can't talk about Superman without talking about truth, justice and the American way. 
Um, like we have good Superman stories. We have, you know, we have like perfect comic book stories and they're not like, they're not perfect because they're perfect, like structurally or they're perfect, like things that are good about like the comic book. Like we talk about, we talk about the dark Knight returns because we talk about what it means for the medium. And we talk about like the way it handles themes. We talk about things like kingdom come because of the way that like it handles, um, like what superheroes mean and what, like what matters. Uh, so I think like, yeah, there are things that are wrong with black Panther, like structurally, but like, there's so much more going on, I guess that I think what people will continue to take away and will continue to remember is like the way that it handles all these different, beautiful things. I agree. Like I probably, if I went to go see it a second time, I, I might have some of this same critiques that you do, Nick. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with everything that you said, but I feel like you can't exactly compare the way that uh, Black Panther approaches its issues with the way that something like Kingdom Come does. Because in Black Panther, I felt like it was there was some lip service given to these ideas. And I mean, the whole rise of Killmonger, obviously that whole storyline, uh, like it, it deals with certain like sociopolitical topics that are fairly relevant. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't really deal with them. Like they're there if you sort of want to think about them, but it doesn't really explore them very deeply. And I guess that was also a part of what I was disappointed in going back to the movie because I expected to get more out of it. I expected to see more that I didn't realize the first time uh, just in terms of these deeper themes, but there really wasn't any of that there. Yeah. Well, and and again, like, I think, I think part of that too is like, this is one of the few movies that has been able to, to do something like this. Um, almost said it's, is the first black superhero movie. And that's, that's incorrect. But, um, but it's like, it's the first, like I've, I've read a bunch of, a bunch of, of articles that people have written, um, particularly like, like African-American persons have written and they're like, this is the first movie that was made by people like me for people like me. Um, and so maybe, yeah, like maybe it's not going to tackle all these, like, like all the sociopolitical things and like all these things about, about blackness and what it means to be black. And frankly, I mean, I don't, I can't interact with those things in the same way that the persons who are black can. Um, but it, because it like is the first, like it sets the groundwork for all these other things that are, that are going to come. Like I remember reading some person's, review of it and they're talking about like finally there's a a movie about about black persons and what it means to be black and like celebrating um blackness that's not about slavery and that's not made by tyler perry Uh (laughs) that's what i mean that's what i was gonna say too it's i think it's good to want i think the marvel movies should strive to be better than what they are but I think it's really important that the movie did what it did. Even if it was on a surface level, it still does more than the other Marvel movies do. And it's so different visually from the other Marvel movies that it is special in and of itself. Um, comparing it to maybe something like Moonlight, that's that's different. That's a completely different thing all on its own 
and because it's not a Marvel movie, it had the luxury of going deeper into into themes that you'd want to see explored. Um, Marvel is just Marvel is conservative to a point, um, which is a really weird thing to probably say, but they are. You're not gonna get a movie at least not right now, that's going to go deeper into things. It's not going to give Killmonger um, the exploration that he probably deserved. Um, so that's kind of like my big criticism of Marvel as a whole. You're not going to get that from them. Um, but the fact that like this big budget movie was able to do some of the stuff that it did and was able to put a spotlight on African culture... Um, it, it is really important and I'm really glad that the movie exists because I think for maybe not adults, but for kids, I think that's going to mean the world to them when, as they get older, um, and as they get older, they may say the same thing. Like they may say, you know, the movie itself doesn't do exactly what I want it to do, but when I was young, this gave me something to look at in a positive light. This let me see people who look like me that aren't in you know they're not they're not it's not a slavery story it's a story about technology and intelligence and all these really great things that you don't normally see in a big budget movie like this so like as far as the the movie itself goes yeah there are some criticisms but i think all the other things that it does and what it's going to represent down the line and who it may inspire down the line. I think that's really special and something very unique to this movie. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously I totally agree with you both on almost all of those points. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's a little hard to, to talk about how I felt like the movie didn't live up to what I expected it to be the second time around um, because of these things, you know, because it's so important to, you know, other people. Um, And just in terms of what it means in terms of our society and in terms of media as a whole. So, I mean, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. I think that's all I had to say. No. Yeah. I think, um, like I think I think all those all those critiques are totally valid. Definitely. Um and I no, and I don't want to yeah. I and I don't want to um yeah, I like I I don't I I totally I totally agree with with uh, the majority of what you're saying. Um I think for me uh and and like Nick, like obviously like you and I had a conversation about this already and like you know like we recorded a whole podcast and and all that stuff. But the people that um like immediately uh, on Twitter or on other places on the internet that like immediately points to like the flaws in movies like this or point to the flaws in, in particular um, like comics that have like diverse characters or like great ideas or beautiful things and just like want to immediately critique and condemn before they like celebrate the, the, the beautiful things that are going on. Um, like I think, excuse me, I think this is a thing that's like really prevalent in in nerd culture and in comic culture and just like the world in general that we're more, we're faster to, to point out what's wrong with things than we are to have this like full complete picture of like the, the good things and the great things that things do. And also like the, the, where our, where our heroes, where our movies, where our stories fall short of these like great ideas and whatever. 
And so like, it's, 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 it's good to talk about the ways in which movies fail or stories fail or, or, um, or the way that the structure of something doesn't completely play out or where like there's plot holes in the story. And at the same time you have to like hold intention what this means for, um, yeah, like for, for the wider, like sociocultural, sociopolitical, socio, whatever the hell, um, things like for America and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, that was, I appreciate it, Nick. Um, well said. Thumbs up to everyone. Um, good, good job. Okay. Okay, cool. We're moving on. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit uh, about Marvel's fresh start about their uh, their newest relaunch starting in May. So Nick and I talked a little bit about this uh, on our last podcast episode because they had announced it the day before and it felt, oh, it just felt irresponsible to not mention it. Um, so we have a little bit of a bigger idea of what Marvel's going to be doing come May of 2018 with their, with their fresh start, with their, with their relaunch. Ooh, man, I can't talk tonight. Um, so we have, we have about 12-ish titles that have been announced thus far that are going to launch in May and then in June. And then we have one that we know is going to launch the beginning of July so far. So coming in May, we talked a little bit about, we talked about this last episode. Coming in May, we have a, an Avengers relaunch from Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. We have Venom relaunching with Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. We have Black Panther relaunching with the new number one from Ta-Nehisi Coates and Daniel Acuna. And we didn't talk about this very much last episode, but we have a Quicksilver miniseries spinning out of Avengers No Surrender. It's going to be written by uh, Saladin Ahmed with art by, um, oh crap, Ethan. I think it's Ethan Gwynn or Eric Gwynn or now I have to look it up because I'm going to butcher this guy's name and I don't want to do that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Eric, Eric went. Okay, should have written that down. My bad. Sorry, Eric. Um, cool. And then coming in June, these are all things that have been announced in the two weeks since we recorded our last episode. We have Thor's relaunching with uh with Odin's son with with dude dude bro Thor. Um, Jane's going away from again from still Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo. We have the Immortal Hulk. Um, new, with it's going to star Bruce Banner. Um, written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett. We have a Multiple Man miniseries that's coming out, um, which is interesting because he died in Death of X. It's going to be written by Matthew Rosenberg. The art by Andy McDonald. We have a The Life of Captain Marvel miniseries coming out, uh, written by Margaret Stoll with art by Carlos Pacheco. It's going to be a retelling of Carol Danvers origin. We know now who is relaunching amazing Spider-Man, our boy, Nick Spencer uh, with art by <laughs> Ryan Otley. Uh, oh, good times. Good times. Um, we have an Ant-Man and the Wasp miniseries that's coming out to coincide with the launch of the movie that's coming out in June. It's going to be written by Mark Wade with art by Javier Guerin. It's going to be starring Nadia Pym and Scott Lang. Uh, we have a Doctor Strange relaunch comic. Donnie Cates is leaving at, after Doctor Strange Damnation, written by Mark Wade, art by Jesus Saiz. We have Tony Stark Iron Man 
This is the Dan Slott Tony Stark relaunch with art by Valerio Shitty. Shitty? Shitty? I hope his last name's not Shitty, and I hope I didn't fuck that up. Um, we have a, a The Century. I think it's a mini. It might be an ongoing, though. It's going to be written by Jeff Lemire with art by Kim Jacinto. Interesting that Lemire's back at Marvel after leaving. Uh, we have Deadpool relaunch as Jerry Duggan is finishing his run come May. Uh, relaunched by Scotty Young with art by Nick Klein. And then finally, July 4th, Independence Day, Ta-Nehisi Coates is relaunching Captain America with art by Linnell Francis Yu. With, oh, with covers by Alex Ross. Um, that's a lot of series mm-hmm. coming. Um, wasted a lot of words there. So what do we think about this so far? And obviously... My thought is that there's more coming in July than just Cap. Um, yeah. And that some of the titles that are coming right now are going to be canceled or maybe relaunched or we'll get some brand new things. But what do we think about all these titles so far? What's the overall impression? Um, Quick question. Uh, do you guys think that all of uh, like all of the current ongoings are going to get canceled? No. No, no I don't. Okay. Um, I mean, most of them are ending or like reaching the ends of arcs or relaunching. So I wonder what's happening to the rest. Yeah, that's something. So that's something I want to talk about, talk about with y'all too. And we can, we can talk about both these things at the same time. Um, Cause there's a bunch of titles that have just started recently. Like X-Men red just started last month. Mm-hmm. Um, Exiles is starting next month. They're April in April. Uh, that domino, series that gail simone's writing is starting up soon like there's some titles that are about to get going um yeah but that's i feel like those you can sort of see them as like a pre-fresh start i'm talking about the series that are like you know in the middle of their run already oh okay i mean so like like like, any of those are pretty much ending no everything's gonna keep going because marvel doesn't actually know how to do a relaunch (laughs) True. In the end, nothing ever ends. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really because something like all new Wolverine. I don't know where it's going to go. And if they take Gabby away, I'm going to fight someone. Um, <laughs> I think Jess is going to join me. Same. I adopted uh, her, so it'll be complicated. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. They try to take her away from you. That's uh, we got to call CBS. Um, yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do with all new Wolverine, although I could see that potentially getting canceled and then us getting a new Wolverine book with with Logan because he's back um, like X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. I, I don't know where those are. Or we're going to have uh, old man or sorry, old woman Laura full time oh. since that arc is coming oh, up. Maybe. Yeah, she can. They'll, we'll trade. Maybe. We'll trade her for <laughs> old man Logan because his series is probably ending soon, I think. Um. That yeah. is true. Um, yeah, I, and like they said, they said Jessica Jones was coming back, but I think it's it's probably going to get a new number one here soon. Um, yeah, X Men Gold I think is probably going to get canceled, and we'll get a relaunch with like an uncanny X Men or like a adjectiveless X Men. Um, mm-hmm. Blue probably also. Blue's probably going on the wayside. Uh, it feels like to me that most of the like the titles that have been announced thus far are like the Avengers E titles. Um, and so I guess for like the rest of the universe, you know, like for like the Spider Gwens and like the Miles Moraleses, 
and the the Miss Marvels and like any of the Inhuman stuff because they're like completely gone. Like I don't know what any of that is going to look like going forward. I guess is, and I'm curious. Well, Miss Miss Marvel, I feel like is going to be one of the few that is going to stay with the same creative team just because she survived the last like bunch of relaunches. Um, yeah, yeah, and I feel like uh, G Willow Wilson G Willow Wilson uh, isn't done telling stories with her. That's fair. Like I don't think any I don't think any of the series that haven't already been announced as relaunching are going to end. Like this is what Marvel does. They just launch mm-hmm. a bunch of new stuff and just keep other stuff going. They they don't ever do a full relaunch. So I I which is why this is stupid. So <laughs> um yeah, I, um I, I mean I don't know if like I don't I don't know if this is like a minority opinion or whatever but I wish they would just relaunch everything right across the board because I was I was playing Overwatch before I started this and I was talking to my friend about what we read today and I brought up Amazing Spider-Man and I was like you know what I just realized I think I read Amazing Spider-Man while Dan Slott was writing it and I bought another number 1 while he was still writing it and now it's back to legacy numbering and then it might go back to, I think it's going back to number one so that's like two number ones in like the same series and that's stupid yeah. so Marvel to me I mean I I would be fine if Marvel just pulled a rebirth and just stopped everything and just started from the ground up again because I think this is getting kind of ridiculous and a little complicated for people who aren't really into comics to follow yeah, I'd be into the titles, like, constantly having, like, new waves of new titles. I'm into that just as a general, like, ongoing business model. But in terms of, like, they every single time that this happens, they act like it's a complete relaunch of everything. And I feel like that's the problem for me. It just makes everything more confusing. It's, it's a part, it, it is, it's confusing. It's a partial relaunch that really isn't a relaunch. Mm-hmm. Like, if they were just to introduce these new titles without calling it a complete relaunch, I feel like that would be... I feel like it would just make more sense. Yeah. Instead, they call it a fresh start, but nothing's really fresh about it. It's just you're putting new number ones out for characters that already have series going, and you're not really changing much about what those characters are doing anyway. It's just you're bringing in new people. So you're considering it a fresh start. But even these new people have already been working on books for so long. So they're not even really new. There's nothing fresh about it. Yeah, I guess. And maybe I'm in the minority opinion of still possibly thinking that they're just rolling this out all wrong. But there's still the possibility that they're going to kind of scrap most everything and start over. I guess I was thinking about this earlier today while we, before we were um, getting ready to record, like they could still, they still have time to cancel a number of number of things and get like get new number ones or whatever else. Um, And, and I don't know that we won't see some of that, I guess coming up in the next couple of months. Like I think besides the things that have just started, uh, which all could mostly be mini series. Um, I think most of their other series are like getting to the point where they can like get to a potential end or like they've just gotten a new creative team. So maybe like they can get through their first story arc and relaunch with a new number one 
or or something um i kind of think they're gonna like call the line and then this is gonna be like this is gonna be it going forward i don't know maybe that's me trying to be more optimistic than i should be well the only reason i feel like that's actually a possibility this time is because there's a new editor-in-chief akira yoshida um so because of that like (laughs) our lord and savior akira yoshida yeah like maybe he actually is like no guys we're stopping this I don't know. Maybe I put too much faith in the man, but <laughs> that's kind of my thought too. Like, I think that like with, with Svolsky coming in they're like, this is, this is us cleaning house and we're, we're going to completely com- what we're going to completely do what should have happened after secret wars ended. Um, mm-hmm. Which I guess they started with all new number ones then, but like nothing was really like, it was still all, all the same people basically doing all the same titles that they were doing for the most part. Um, just like with Marvel now 2.0 and just like with legacy for the most part. The, uh, how many miniseries were there? I think there's like three or four. Um, so I think, yeah, I think right now there's Quicksilver, Quicksilver's a mini multiple man. Multiple man. I'm pretty sure it's a mini cap life of captain Marvel is a six issue mini. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp is a six-issue mini. Um, And I don't know if the Century is a mini or not, but that's four right now. I think it might be an ongoing. Let me look. Yeah, but I feel like at Marvel, like when when creators pitch series or like when they pitch ideas for like characters that Marvel wants series for, um, they usually pitch like an opening arc or they'll pitch like a full 12-issue arc. So, which is usually broken down into two, six issues. Um, and that's how a lot of Marvel series have been going uh, for like the past few years. And only the like very, very top titles end up going on beyond that. So it's interesting that they're calling certain things miniseries. Um, I mean, I haven't really been paying attention to what has or hasn't been called a miniseries recently, but I feel like a lot of titles that were, you know, that people just assumed were ongoings ended up being miniseries and that there have been very few actual, like this is going to be five issues minis. So I like that they're making that distinction, but I also can't help but think that some of the other series are going to end at issue 12 anyway. Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. Like before, I think like the Rogan gamut and like the Legion stuff were the first, um, like main superhero universe titles that they announced that were miniseries in a really long time because people kept getting pissed that they would like stealth cancel things after six issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I think what there was, I think around the same time that that one guy who works at Marvel made the comment about diversity, he said something about how like miniseries, the only miniseries at Marvel's that sell are the Star Wars ones. And like, if you announce something as a miniseries, then people aren't going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And I, buy the singles. I can't particularly argue because I feel like the, the comics market has been moving more and more towards like miniseries as a whole. If you look at like independent publishers too, um, just a lot of things are miniseries and uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I think that's I think that's fair. And then, like, the next logical step after that, then, is like, well, if you're just going to have a bunch of miniseries, why don't you just put out a bunch of just graphic novels and mm-hmm. save people oh. the trouble of having to pick up four issues? So. Yeah, that's where I was 
going with that thought. Like if you're, and I know this from my own personal buying habits, if I see a miniseries and if it's coming from DC or Marvel, um, a lot of the time, especially if it's like a bigger miniseries, like that has a chance of surviving without like people needing to (laughs) buy it. Like if it has like 50,000 copies being sold of its first issue, then you're probably good waiting until it's collected in trade. Um, Sure. Yeah, because then you get the full story and it's just one big collected thing. Yeah. Here, like, here's my thing, and I don't mean to be like the, the super negative person about this whole fresh start thing, but like, Mar- Marvel, Marvel has no clear vision to me. At least when when DC, even though the new Fifty Two was not very good, at least when they relaunched everything with that and then with Rebirth, there was a vision. You could kind of see what they were trying to do. They were trying to combine the nostalgia for the older readers and some of the new stuff by bring and then and then they also brought in new talent they've made an effort over the years with the writers and the artist workshop to bring in new talent and then they're launching all these separate imprints that clearly have a defined mission all these different things that marvel supposedly launches none of this has any reason to exist there's no clear vision in it what was legacy i couldn't tell you what legacy was what was marvel now i couldn't tell you what marvel now was but i can tell you what new 52 was even though it didn't really work out and i can tell you what rebirth is i can tell you what young animal is i can tell you what the dc inc and zoom is i can tell you what those are i can't tell you that with marvel It just feels like Marvel's throwing a lot of things and hoping that something sticks and then they can go with it. And that's a shame because there are a lot of books at Marvel that are very good right now. And they don't, and I feel like it's very hard to sift through that when you've got all these other things going on that make no sense. So it's like, it's hard for me to be interested in Marvel proclaiming oh it's a new relaunch when it's not really that it's just you unleashing a bunch of new creative teams onto new number ones and then maybe two years from now you'll decide well legacy numbering is important so let's go back to that yet again because we have an anniversary coming up we have an, an issue 700 or an 800 coming up so we're jumping back to that because that's important so it's just it's very hard for me to find any excitement for any of it Mm-hmm. yeah no i think that's i think that's absolutely fair yeah the the um, line as a whole just to me <laughs> over the years um it just always feels like someone just like drank up a whole bunch of marvel characters and then like vomited out a bunch of comics like i feel like that's just every single time that you look at the the racks for like whatever marvel's doing it's just like jess said just no clear vision it's just complete random whatever they felt like putting out at the moment and that's, yeah, that's, that goes yeah. back to what I was saying last time. Like they're owned by Disney. Why this is like, it's a branding thing. They have a lot of good books, but they, there's no clear vision. There's no clear marketing for what they want things to be. So I don't know why they can't figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And I will say the, like the marketing for this whole fresh start thing has been really kind of piss poor. Um, Cause you're right, Jess. Like I have no idea exactly what, this new fresh start is going to stand for 
um, like what like the overarching mission is like if is there like an overarching sort of like meta narrative like there was with with rebirth and like kind of with the new 52 as well i guess um because like there was like the justice league number one to like to trinity war forever evil thing and like that was the status quo for all of them for a while um but like and i think that it makes me mad that they can announce one series at a time and then every comic book news website and outlet can like write up their article and they get like some buzz a little bit at a time and maybe that's like good advertising or whatever but it just it feels it feels insincere um like i think it's crappy that we have to like drop everything and write something when marvel announces the new deadpool comic or like announces you know like all these minis or or whatever else like i think you know they can just get they can just continue to get clicks over and over again um i guess the reason that i'm more optimistic despite all of that is that i think what Sabolsky's going to do with this is that I think like it's a fresh start. And I think he's realizing, I guess that and Marvel hasn't had this mission for a long time and they've been doing these sort of like seasonal relaunches. And so we got to, we got to keep doing more of the same thing to get to a point where, where we, we don't have to do that anymore, I guess. So I think what's going to happen and we'll talk about this a little bit with infinity countdown, I'm sure is that this is going to be wave one. Wave one is making all the Avengers titles good again. Um, wave two, I, I didn't mean that as a Trump pun. Uh, wave two is going to be, uh, I guess, not fixing the X Men because, like, we did that with Resurrection, but sort of making the X Men no- normal again, and making the Inhumans something, making the Guardians of the Galaxy and all the cosmic stuff something. Um, and so that that whole the, all those universes will be kind of set, and then phase three, wave three of this or whatever I think is going to be getting like the rest of the fringe titles sets, like the rest of the street level characters, the rest of the Spidey universe, and I think at that point we'll get a new Fantastic Four series out of this. Um, and so I kind of see like at least like the hints of like a larger idea and a larger plan going on. I think that Marvel is being very cautious in how they're going to implement their fresh start thing or whatever. Uh, Cause that's the difference really between them and DC right now is like with like young animal and with uh, like Bendis coming over and with uh, like the, the vertigo stuff relaunching and with all these other fringe uh, with the Wildstorm stuff and all these other fringe imprints that they're doing, like they're taking a lot of risks right now um, with ink and zoom and with like the rumored DC black mature label or whatever. Um, like there's a lot of creative energy going with the, the new age of heroes, which is probably going to tank. Uh, there's a lot of creative energy being expended right now, taking all these risks and doing all these really creative ventures. And most of them are paying off because, because you're right, because they've spent so many years cultivating that, the talent with the talent workshop. People look at DC right now in the comics industry and they're like, that's the company to be at. Um, and they've built all this up over the last couple of years of kind of doing more, more conservative things like the rebirth rebirth relaunch was like a fairly conservative quote unquote relaunch insofar as like the status quo of most of those characters didn't change very much. Um, but it got back to the core of, you know, of what all those, those characters and titles were. And then like it's DC's built all this other risky stuff out of that. And so I think Marvel is kind of going to go that route, I guess they're just going to take a longer time to get to that point of everything being, sort of like normative again. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that helps 
at all. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that they don't take too long to realize that they're failing because a lot of local comic book shops, they live and die based on how Marvel and DC do. So even for, even for fans and readers who don't really like to read Marvel, Marvel and DC, you still need them to succeed. At least for the direct market, you still you need them to succeed. Um, so, I mean, hopefully they don't take too long to figure this out because they're starting to lose talent, and it's a little troubling. I mean, um, Bendis is gone. Uh, Ramon Villalobos just tweeted uh, that he's working on something for DC, and he worked for Marvel for a good amount of time, um, and now he's doing something for DC. Um, and you know with Bendis, like he did at Marvel, he's going to bring people with him. Evan Shaner, um, I think it was him recently that, that tweeted that he had finished his last project under his Marvel contract. So Chris, Chris Samney. And- Chris Samney, yeah. So there's he has the ability to bring people with him. Um, I don't know if he's going to bring a bunch of people with him, but he has the ability to do that. And so Marvel needs to kind of figure out, figure something out soon because they, they can't afford to, I mean, technically, yes, they can afford to fail, but the way the direct market is set up, they can't fail. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Samney, Samney tweeted his contracts up. Uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, his contracts up. Uh, David Walker's contracts up. So you're right. Like there are all these people now that are kind of free agents and, and could very well end up at DC. Mike Perkins is another artist uh, who tweeted out. He's working on a, an art thing at DC now too. And he's been at Marvel for a number of years. Um, I think you're right. Like, I think that that absolutely like Marvel needs to succeed for the sake of the direct market. Um, I mean, that's like, no, a, that's say- like a whole other discussion we could have whether or not it's good yeah. or bad for, the direct market there's lots of problems with it but as it stands right now like you need them to do well because you don't want all those stores to fail because there's nothing else really set up there the system's not set up for them to succeed without marvel and dc right yeah and i always like with my uh my local shop, I always get like a little annoyed, like when I get an email blast and it's like all Marvel and DC titles, yep, yep. because I just think like there's so much other great stuff out there. And like, I'm sure that there's an audience, but like ultimately they need to make money. <laughs> They're like barely skating by as it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah we need Marvel to, <laughs> to do well. Yeah. And I, and I will say, I think the last couple months with um, like with Avengers, no surrender and with like slots, spider-man thing um wrapping up or whatever else like i think they've well no that's not true i guess like i read like like bleeding cools like weekly title things and um like i i try to look at the like top 100 stuff some or whatever else um and both of those have kind of pointed to like that at least like the no surrender stuff has been selling pretty well um, and like slot stuff has ticked up a little bit, but I, I think it was cause they haven't released diamond hasn't released the figures for February yet. I think DC beat Marvel and unit and dollar share in January. Um, so yeah, that's not good, mm-hmm. but, um, 
one, I guess, final thought on the uh, overall of this. Um, do you guys remember a time like about two years into the new 52, like year and a half, two years in, um, when all of a sudden just like everybody was jumping ship um, and there was just so much editorial uh, just spats between creators and editorial and just everybody was leaving for Marvel. Do you guys remember that? It was probably like Mm -hmm. 2013. Yeah. 13, 14. Yeah. So, I mean, people always say like Marvel and DC are just always going back and forth. Like when one's doing great, the other's not and vice versa. I mean, we're clearly right now when DC is at its peak and Marvel is at its trough, trough, however you pronounce that word, but they're at their lowest point right now. I mean, yeah. you know, the hope is alive <laughs> that they can swing back. And, it, and it's so weird. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird to have them in opposite directions like this, because if anything, Marvel is doing so well in the movie theaters that you'd think that they would be able to kind of capitalize a little bit on that kind of creativity and just hold strong in comics. But it's it's not... They're both going the opposite directions as far as comic and movies go. DC's doing well with the books, Marvel's not, but they're doing great with the movies while DC is not. So it's very strange. No, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, and I think I think that goes back to, to some of what you were saying earlier, Nick, and then he said it last episode about, you know, if Marvel's, like if, if Disney owns Marvel and the movies are doing so well, why is, like, why are they not capitalizing on some of that? And I guess... I think part of it is like those things are so separate from each other, but that's, excuse me, that's neither here nor there, I guess, really. Um, yeah, it's so, it is interesting, I guess, to think that like this is, this is the lowest point that Marvel's been at in a while. And we kind of thought that that was in parts of uh, like Marvel Now 2.0 and all that, like when Rebirth started and DC was doing really well for a while and was like ahead at the beginning of rebirth and then kind of, kind of steady down or whatever flatten down. And now, yeah, now they're, now they're climbing again and Marvel's Marvel's going down. So, so we'll see. Um, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll, I thought it would be fun if we kind of did our, uh, our top five of what titles we're, we're excited about. Talk a little bit about the things that we're not so excited about. And then we'll get into a little bit, of Infinity Countdown number one. So hear a fun word from somebody else at multiversitycomics.com. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at MultiversityComics.com. So let's dig deep. And we're back, folks. Uh, for this next part of the podcast, we're talking a little bit about what uh, what our top five favorite uh, or top five titles that we're most excited about looking forward to with this fresh start um obviously this is not the exhaustive list of everything that marvel's relaunching uh i think we can all agree that there's probably more coming um in the future uh especially because some of their newest exclusive writers 
aka Kelly Thompson. Where is she? Are, there are <laughs> literally no women writing any of these titles. Um, it's Tanahisi Coates and all the white guys that have been writing for Marvel since the time began. But anyway, oh, and Margaret Stoll. No, Margaret Stoll's a lady. She's writing yeah. Captain. Okay, well, we're whatever. There, she's the only one, and it's a mini series. And it's the only title that she writes for Marvel. She's a novelist. But anyway, I digress. Um, cool. So there's 15 of these titles that they've announced so far. So I thought it'd be fun if we kind of did our, our top, the top five things that we're looking forward to. And then also after we've done that, talk about the things that we're not looking forward to as much, AKA uh, Rick and Morty mixed with <laughs> Black Mirror. I don't know what you're uh, talking 17 about. Seventeen more years of pickle Rick. <laughs> okay, so we'll do this right now. Um, Dan Slott, in his interview, I think it was with Vulture.com, um, talked about his uh, what his vision for his Iron Man run is going to be. Also, the title of the book is Tony Stark Iron Man. Why the fuck do you need Tony Stark at the front of that? I don't understand. We all know he's Iron Man. Because because maybe that's the Wait, title. It's he? Tony Stark that. Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, when man. I first saw that I thought like it was because maybe there's a different Briru Williams t- series that's going I, to come out of I hope so. Something. I really hope so. Um, but I feel like if they did that, they would just be able to name the series Ironheart. Instead of Riri Williams, Iron Man or Iron Woman, you, you yeah. would think you would think that. Um, <laughs> would, <laughs> but why would but. you think that? Um, how dare you? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, he said in his interview that his his run is going to be equal parts Rick and Morty, and and Black Mirror. Mm. Um, so if you ever wanted uh, Iron Man to be Pickle Rick. For 17 years. Because that's how long his run's going to be. Probably. Uh, then like... I've literally never seen Rick and yeah, Morty. Can I just jump in here <laughs> and defend Rick and Morty right quick? <laughs> <laughs> I, you can That's fine. But don't defend people who watch Rick and Morty. Please I mean... Continue. Yeah, I feel like... I don't even know if... Okay. The whole like cult around Rick and Morty right now I feel like there is a disconnect between the people who are in that cult if there is one and the people who are aggressively against it so like I feel like there's a cult of people who are aggressively against the people who watch Rick and Morty but I'm not sure that the people they're against actually exist at least in a great number anyway that just, I feel like that's like a weird bandwagon that everybody jumped on to hate people who watch Rick and Morty. And I don't understand why. Like, I I don't, I haven't watched the show since the first season. So I like, it's not even like a personal thing. <laughs> I don't hate people who watch Rick and Morty. I've watched some of Rick and Morty. It's funny. I just, excuse me. I just like, I think it's one of those shows that like people who think that they're really intelligent watch and then like talk about and like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, just see Rick and Morty last night. You know, just like, you see the funny thing that, you know, pick, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, I don't know why I said whatever, whatever. Anyway, I, I just feel like it's one of those shows that like, like fandoms kind of latched onto and 
uh, and like fandoms are kind of shitty, and so like yeah. shitty people who post shitty things. Yeah, fandoms like got to uh, react against that. Like people who make podcasts about Marvel. <laughs> yeah, fuck those people. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest. Like the biggest reason I have not watched Rick and Morty is because of the internet. Like, I don't know if I can actually watch Thanks, it internet. because like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've just read so much about it and like people who really hate it, really hate it. And it's like, can I actually watch this now and not like have any hatred before I watch it? Cause it's just a show to me. So like, I I've never seen it because of the internet and I don't even know if I'd like it. Mm-hmm. I see. I mean, the two creators are the creators of community or the creator of community and uh, someone who played a big part in the visual world of Adventure Time. So, like, if that sounds like your thing, go for it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's those mixed with like a more a more like uh, Futurama ish sense of like sensibility, but maybe a little bit more South Park. Anyway, we're off like on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're off in La La Land. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't want people to describe Iron Man comics as like mm-hmm. like especially that like don't make sense. Yeah, if it's a, a fr- phrase that requires this much like discussion that we just had about it, like that's probably not <laughs> like if it takes that much to defend the phrase, then you should probably just use a different phrase. But then again, oh, no, sorry. I was thinking that this was Nick Spencer who said that, which would have made more sense. Uh, I'm going to make this even worse by just saying that describing an Iron Man book as anything close to Black Mirror is completely missing the point of Iron Man. Yeah, and I haven't even watched Black Mirror. Just so. going to say, I, see, I, I have watched Black Mirror. I like many of those episodes, but to describe Tony Stark in any story that would be anything like Black Mirror just shows me you have no understanding of who Tony Stark is. When uh, when Brian copy-pasted, Brian's the editor from multipersoncomics.com, when he copy-pasted the article from Vulture in our like Slack page so that we could write up the news article, he just put barf and that was uh that was his description of it and that's when we knew um anywho we'll stop shit talking dan slot here for a second we'll get that that a little bit later again um so uh so jess which uh which five titles are you looking forward to the most with uh this marvel fresh start um so my number one is captain america uh, because I think Coates um, is is a very interesting voice to put on Captain America, given all the stuff that has happened in the last couple of years with the character. I really think he's going to bring, I, I mean, I hope he's going to bring something really interesting to what Captain America is to him and like in 2018. So that's my number one. Um, uh, I'm also excited for uh, Thor. Um I, I, I guess the timing is bad to have Jane go away when, like, there's no women announced on any of these teams, so it's a bad look, but I think that's a story that's been told for a couple years now that's, to me, it's coming to a natural ending, so I'm excited for what comes next. 
Um, I'm excited for Hulk only because Al Ewing is writing it, and I think he's really underrated and underappreciated in superhero comics. Uh, then uh, Multiple Man, uh, I, I'm, it, I'm very interested in that. And Rosenberg is a good writer, and I really like the Res- Phoenix Resurrection, so I'm happy he's doing more X-Men. And then my fifth one is... Um, it's kind of tough because I'm not crazy about a lot of these, but uh, my number five is going to be uh, um, the life of Captain Marvel. I'm I'm interested to see what they're going to do with her origin um, as a, to change it, I guess, because the movie is coming out, and I'm wondering if this is them trying to match the two things up. So that's really why I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, that make that makes sense. It is really interesting that we're getting a you know this Captain Marvel origin series and uh, Ant Man and the Wasp with the movie coming up a multiple man series because they just announced that like isn't like James Franco trying to make like a multiple man movie or some shit like I think that so um, yeah probably so, not anymore <laughs> probably not anymore rip um, we got a yeah we got a new Deadpool comic uh, launching about the same time that Deadpool two is coming out. So yeah, like a lot of these are uh, very synergistic. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a really, that's a really, that's a really good list. Um, Nick, what about you? What are your, what are your top five? So my number one uh, would have been whatever Kelly Thompson was supposed to be on, but uh, that was not announced if there is anything. Um <laughs> Quick side note, I keep waiting for whatever she is going to be announced on, and all of a sudden I saw like she was announced on a new book and I got really excited, and then I realized it was a Nancy Drew book at Dynamite, mm-hmm. which I thought Marvel exclusive prevented her like I thought that technically under a Marvel exclusive you could do creator own series elsewhere, but I didn't realize that you could also write non DC licensed characters as well. From what I understand, the Marvel exclusives and the DC exclusives is mostly just so you can't write at DC and you can't write at Marvel. Yeah, from what, and that from makes, what I understand. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, for some reason, I thought it just meant everything except for creator-owned. But anyway, uh, onto my list. Uh, hey, I love Nancy Drew. I'm all about this. It's going to be good. Oh, yeah, I'm excited for it, too, especially since Hawkeye ended. Um, yeah, but anyway, for the titles that were announced, um, number one, most interested multiple man, um, from last episode when Kevin and I put together sort of like fantasy teams that we would like to see. Um, I forget the team that I had on it, but I said that I really wanted to see something, uh, like Peter David's X factor run from the two thousands. Um, I just think that's a great series and I think it's a very, uh, I just think it's a concept that can work at any time. And I feel like it's very viable in today's uh, comics world. Um, and one of the main characters on that was Jamie Madrox, Multiple Men. And uh, that X-Factor series actually started out with a Madrox miniseries. Um, and in interviews, um, <clears throat> Matt Rosenberg uh, has said that he's like he's taking a lot uh, of inspiration from that run. So I'm really excited. Um, yeah, more than anything else that's been announced, 
that's exciting. Um, I also tend to like, uh, I've said this in the past, uh, I just like smaller series um, about like sad characters. Uh, yeah, so that, that pushes all of my buttons. Uh, next up, Captain, uh, <laughs> Captain America uh, by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And uh, who's going to be on the art on that? Uh, Little U. Okay, cool. Yeah, Little U. Um, I think, if anything, this is just going to be really interesting. Um, I like the ideas that Ta-Nehisi Coates has said that he's going to play with in the series, um, just in terms of, like, what the American dream means to us today and why would someone believe in it in today's world? Um, and I think that's, I think that's a really interesting concept. I feel like because of the political, like just partisanism in the country today, I feel like, I feel like the right has sort of, built themselves up to be like the quote unquote patriotic ones. And I feel like it's just interesting that an entire side of the political spectrum has claimed a patriotism to the country as if the other side is not patriotic um, or like doesn't believe in the country. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what, I feel like Ta-Nehisi Coates has a lot to say about just what it means to be an American and what people should or can believe in as Americans. Um, yeah, I just, the thing that I'm hesitant about for him on that series is I feel like sort of like I felt like he did with Black Panther. Um I'm afraid that Captain America himself will become more just a mouthpiece for ideas and philosophies that will then be challenged um, as opposed to him being a full, fully realized character who holds certain beliefs, which are then challenged. And it's a subtle distinction and I hope that he makes it. Um, Next up after that, not as much to say about this one, but I think Hulk's going to be fun. (laughs) I'm, I'm, interested in reading a Hulk book. I have only ever read some of uh, Peter David's Hulk. Um, and I've always heard great things about Al Ewing. So yeah, into that. Uh, and then my final two, uh, I just, I really like Mark Wade. So I guess a tie for fourth and fifth, uh, Dr. Strange and Ant-Man. Um, Mark Wade, I feel is a very uh, adaptable writer Um, and I feel like I should make the distinction between like adaptable and versatile. Like, I feel like a versatile writer can write in a lot of different styles at like at any given time, but I feel like Mark Wade is more, uh, adaptable in that no matter what time he's writing, like thinking back on his whole comics career over the past, you know, 25 years, uh, he's always able to adapt to the times and write something that feels contemporary. So I'm looking forward to, and uh, while he does that, he always maintains his own personal uh, style. Um, So yeah, so I'm looking forward to his take on Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. And I also have a soft spot for Jesus Saiz's art. 
um, which is going to be on Doctor Strange, uh, because when I first got into comics, uh, one of the series that I kept up with was uh, the J. Michael Scorsese uh, Brave and the Bold series, which had art by Jesus Saiz. So soft spot for that. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised that Mark Waite's actually writing the the Ant Man and the Wasp series. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like I thought that was a an interesting choice, and I guess it should be because I think he created Nadia with. Oh, he did he did? I don't remember the artist. I think it was Bob Destrar. Yeah, and the all new, all different Avengers. Um, so I guess I was surprised that he was coming back to that. Um, and I love, like, I love Nadia as a character, uh, like the unstoppable wasp is like my, my favorite mini series from last year, I think. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I thought like him on Dr. Strange too was really interesting. Cause, and I think in the inner, like in the interview that he gave, he said like, yeah, I've never had a long run on, on strange and I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And it'll be interesting. You know, he's taking him to space. So like space is cool. Can I just mention real quick, I'm really bummed that Donny Cates has been taken off Doctor Strange, because that's a book I've really enjoyed, and I really liked what he's done with that character, so I'm really bummed that he's already done. No, I totally I totally agree with that, too. I think I think Cates' Doctor Strange has been one of one of the best books from Legacy. Um, the, uh, that was one of those books where, as soon as I saw that it was going to tie into something, I was like, oh, this book... <laughs> like one I'm not into like reading a whole different miniseries in order to just keep up with this book and yep. two that means that this series might not be long for this world so I jumped off but I did I really enjoyed those first few issues yeah yeah I ha- I um because like I'm still I'm I read damnation in the you know like in the review copies that we get from multiversity um but I read the entire first few issues in, um, in like regular copy or whatever, like I bought them, but I, yeah, I stopped buying when the mini came. I didn't, I guess I didn't see that that is a, yeah, this is ending soon because there's a mini series coming out. I guess I should have thought that way. Um, it makes me think though, because, uh, like, you know, he's, he's, he's jumping ship to venom. Um, and Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about venom? Uh, and Thanos wasn't in the May solicits, I think. So I think it's ending also. It makes me think that he's got something bigger in the works that's probably going to be announced soon. Uh, and Bleeding Cool seems to think it, he's going to be writing Fantastic Four when it comes out. Although I think that we've talked about that we probably think it's going to be Zadarsky, but who knows? I'm trying to think what other big things Kate's could write that hasn't been announced yet. But I don't know. Um. Yeah. Um. Cool. Like pull up that list that I made last time. Sorry. Go on. You can. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. Uh. So I think my my top five. So I think like uh like both of you or like Jess and you had it t- you had it close to the top two. Nick. Um. My uh my top thing that I'm looking forward to is uh Tanisi Coates and um and little Francis use Captain America. That's my number one. Um. I think everything that that you said, Nick, is is pretty spot on. Uh, the 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 quote of his, I think, that caught me the most. Um, so, like the way that they announced this series, I I thought was was super fascinating. Like Coates got to write um, his whole sort of like mindset going into writing the series for the Atlantic, 
for the um, for the newspaper that he writes for. Um, and then all the comic book companies got to, you know, write about it afterwards, which is like the way that he talked about Captain America and what Steve Rogers means uh, in 2018. I thought was super fascinating. And like the quote, kind of what you alluded to, Nick, the uh, why would anyone believe in the dream anymore? Um, I think like I, I got a little I got I got like a little misty eyed, I guess, kind of reading uh, like his Atlanta thing. Like, I think he's going to be able to bring such a unique perspective to um, to Cap and to um to really like to what it means uh, like to be an American in 2018 to what it means to, to be hopeful to what it means to um, like, are we still the land of, of opportunity? Does that mean you just, you got to keep continuing to pick yourself up by your bootstraps or, or has the, has the dream failed? And I think he's going to have a really unique perspective on all of that. And I'm really excited about it. Um, I think my number two pick would be, uh, would be Avengers from, you know, Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Uh, I think Aaron writing the main Avengers book is going to be great. Uh, As much as I think that legacy has kind of been a failure and that like the legacy one shot was kind of the, the ideas that Aaron set up in the one shot I thought were really interesting. And the, like the million BC Avengers and the final host stuff I thought was like fascinating, even though it may not have been executed super well. Um, And I'm excited to see those things finally being explored uh eight months later um and like i think that series is going to be really cool and really important i guess for the overall sort of where marvel's going for the rest of the next year uh, i think number three uh would be Coates's and daniel Kina's uh black panther um i i happen to love black panther and i loved what Coates did at least on the first 12 issues um the the second kind of year of the title has has waned a little bit um i'm really into all that uh characters as mouthpieces for philosophy things um like i think it's all super fascinating and a lot of the just like a lot of the dialogue well not even the dialogue a lot of the like the monologues or like the thought um thought panels or thought paints or whatever and black panther i just think have been some just a lot of beautiful prose and like yeah maybe it, it feels like these aren't real characters because they're just like spouting um philosophical statements or talking about the nature of stories or, or all this other stuff, but I, I don't care. I'm a sucker for it. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does with space imperialism. Uh, number four would be Thor, um, Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo. I think the mighty Thor and the, the Jane Foster saga has been some of the best comicing that I think that in my short career that I've read. Um, I love Russell Dodderman's art and I'm actually really anxious to see where he's going to end up after this in fresh start. Um, I, th- I think that Jace, like that comic has made me cry a lot of times. There's a theme here. I cry a lot, apparently. Um, uh, I think why this, this is lower than some of the other uh, titles on this list is because um, I'm honestly not a huge fan of Mike Del Mundo's art, I guess in the sense that, I think he, he like I love his covers, um, but his like interior work I think is like hit or miss for me. Uh, like the like the weird weird world stuff, like the secret uh, secret wars tie in, I thought was really great. But his like Avengers stuff with Mark Wade was kind of eh, like he's I guess hit or miss on like main titles, and so I think that the like mythology stuff lends itself maybe to some of his strengths and some of his like kind of grandiose abstractness 
Um, but we'll see. We'll see if like this, the mainstreamness of Thor will be something that he can do. And then finally, I think my number five is, uh, is the Sentry, just because I think Jeff Lemire might be one of my favorite writers working in, in comics today. Um, like, I love Jeff Lemire. I love Jeff um, Lemire. Like his Black Hammer stuff, the new. Oh, it's good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, all the Black Hammer stuff at Dark Horse is amazing. Um, Royal City, I think, might be might be my favorite ongoing right now. I am. I love anything that he is doing outside of Marvel and DC. Like when he was on X-Men, like that was not very good to me. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about his, uh, I'm not like crazy about his Marvel and DC work. Um, but I'm, I'm ready for him to kind of get another shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was really surprised by this too, because I think people kind of imagined that he was like not DC exclusive, I guess, but that like he was coming back to DC and like just DC. Cause he kind of like took a year to not do big two stuff. Um, and yeah, like he's got, he's got a lot of stuff coming from DC. I guess not even a lot of stuff. Like he was rumored to be writing the Hawkman book that's coming out of metal. But I think that that's probably like, I think the book's happening, but I don't think he's writing it. Um, and he's writing the terrifics right now for the new age of hero stuff. First issue came out last week. It was really great. Uh, and he's supposed to be writing that that Inferior 5 mini with Keith Giffen and doing some art backup stuff. Um, so he's got a... I mean, that guy is like the also one of the best writers and also one of the busiest writers and artists in all of comics. I don't know how he sleeps. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I was really surprised by him doing the series at Marvel. And I think he's at this place in his career where he like very clearly has a, a big repertoire of creator and series and other things. So he can be very selective with the big two projects that he takes on. And so I'm really excited then to see what he's going to do with this entry. Cause I think this entry is just such like an interesting character and just such like a fascinating concept. Um, and yeah, that's my, uh, that's my top five. There's a lot of overlap here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, just quick note, just so you know, uh, you are not alone on crying at fiction like all the time. I cried in the theater at The Disaster Artist. So, uh, yeah, you are not alone. (laughs) I, yeah, I love crying at fiction. Uh, (laughs) No shame. And hopefully some of these series will make us cry too. I can't wait. I can't wait to cry at Space Imperialism. Um that's really all i want in this world uh mm-hmm. so things that won't make me cry uh what are the the titles or title that you're looking forward to the least um nick will uh well jess jess we'll start with you um it's just the one right one two or whatever you know um i'm i'm not really i i've never really cared about venom so like I'm bummed out that Kate's is moving over to a character that I absolutely do not care about. <laughs> um, and then I guess only thing other than that, that I'm not looking forward to at all is amazing Spider-Man. Like I cannot believe Otley is being wasted on Nick Spencer. It's just so sad. Yeah. Did you read, did you read his interview? 
Spencer. No, I I avoid most things with him now. So yeah, it was just kind of it was the most like blandest sort of like we're just gonna take Peter Parker back to the beginning and like he's gonna have relationship drama and he's gonna be fighting some villains and like yada yada. And it seems like the most uninspired take on Spider-Man ever, not ever, but. Yeah, just sort of like, we just got to make it all great again. So I don't know. I'm I'm not going to like get too far into this, but like as much as I am totally turned off Dan Slott's like online persona, a lot, uh, some of the stuff he did in his run really worked for me. And right now he's doing some really interesting things with Norman Osborn and um, today's issue. I don't, I don't want to like, spoil the whole thing because it's still new but he's doing a lot of interesting things with Peter Parker and his identity and Norman Osborn and lots of the supporting cast and on his way out it's interesting and it's really going to be a bummer for it's all get undone for something much more simple and basic and fan servicey yeah yeah I think to I I absolutely agree with, with everything you said um, I think to to go back to this place of of like the status quo for Peter Parker is to take the wrong lesson from Slot's run, because um, obviously there were risks that he took that worked, and there were risks that he took that didn't work, and there are things that people are still complaining about. Um, like maybe you know, like Peter is like Tony Stark was like maybe a little bit misguided, but like it did something new and different with the character that hadn't yes, been done like- over the course of. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Like, a lot of what he did did not work. But there were some things that were very different and very interesting. Like, I will still fight people on Superior Spider-Man. I thought that was brilliant. And it was really different, and it was good. And and I fell off the book because I just got totally turned off by the way he, is, the way he was online. Um, and... I've come back a little bit into to the end part of this to see what he goes out on. And I think it's good. I don't think it's bad. And I'm bummed to see it kind of revert back to doing something simple and easy. I don't want to just see Peter Parker fight bad guys and be in love with the same couple of girls that it never works for him. And I, I want to see something different because I think Peter Parker has kind of lent himself to that kind of evolution and change, if that makes sense. I mean, he's not like the most groundbreaking character, but because of it's, I hate that I have like praising slot so much, but like he's done a lot of different things with the character and it's very hard to see it just go back to being safe. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Yeah. Nick, what are your one or two or, whatever series that you you're not looking forward to as much um the only one that i just (laughs) when i saw the like character and then the creator creative team next to it i just completely just went on to the next one not even a second thought um deadpool by scotty young and (laughs) nick klein um Yep. yep and i yeah i just i don't care for deadpool and I have tried, like, I've read a little bit of I Hate Fairyland, and I feel like that's a perfect match for creator and character, but I just, neither of those things are for me, so I just could not care less. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> that's the only, I th- honestly, I think that's the only thing on the list that I wouldn't even check out out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's, so my, my fewer, uh, Tony Stark Iron Man, because I just think that name sucks. And I think, I think everything that Slot said about it already just sucks. And, and I hate that Riri's going out the window, because I really actually like her as a character. And I hope that she doesn't disappear Although if like the champions book disappears because she's on that team now when Jim Zub takes over, then she's like gone, gone, gone. Um, and I really don't want that for her. Cause I think that um, I think she's got a lot of staying power if, if put in the right hands. Um, and yeah. And also everything that slot said about that title just sounds horrible. Have they mentioned yet if Riri is going to work with Tony Stark? Cause I think like the reason that Gabby has taken off so, so naturally is because she has a very easy way to remain in the book. Like you can't really take her out of the book and get rid of her. Cause it's so ingrained into what Laura's story is now. Like, have they mentioned if, they're going to keep Riri like as part of Tony Stark's circle. Cause I know Mary Jane's around a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that she showed up at all in the interview that slot gave um, her or doom either. But I think Bendis said on Twitter that like the end of his run sets up like both Riri or all of Riri and Tony Stark and Doom's like status quo is going forward. And so I'm really hoping with that, that that means that the Bendis set her up for something, something exciting. And then like, they already have sort of the what's coming for her, I guess. Um, and I think, and I'm really being optimistic though. Yeah. Like Nick, that what you said that like the reason that this is Tony Stark, Iron Man, instead of just Iron Man or Invincible Iron Man is because there's going to be a Riri Williams Iron Man book, which doesn't make sense. And I hope it's not then I hope it's not like Dr. Doom Iron Man or whatever, because that would be horrible also, but maybe it'll be like, yeah, like the Sam Wilson, Captain America and the Steve Rogers, Captain America, but I don't know. Um, We'll see. We still got, I guess uh, a week or so until the, the June, the June solicits come out. So there might be some stuff announced between now and then. And um, like C2E2 uh, is coming up. That's one of the bigger, bigger comic cons and um, in April. And so, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where they go with that. Um, So I'm not excited about that. Nick Spencer's amazing. Spider-Man just sounds kind of dry. Although I will probably check out the first issue because I think Ryan Otley's art is really great. Um, And then the other one that I just, probably will not pick up at all or, or even give a second thought to is Deadpool. Um, and I'm like not a huge Deadpool fan, I guess already I've been reading, um, uh, the despicable Deadpool since legacy started just cause people have been telling me that Jerry Duggan's run on the character has been really great. Um, and that series is actually really, really good. And I think what Duggan's doing with the character, um, like he's it, the title's funny, but it's like sad, funny. Yeah. It's like, I realized that I'm a shitty person funny. Um, and there's like a lot to care for within that. Like you, you, f- you actually feel for Deadpool. And I think, um, I think you're, you're right, Nick, that like the, I hate fairyland creator is going to turn like the, th- I was trying to think the things that Scotty Young has done at Marvel. 
and they've been like the rocket raccoon book and the, like the group book and all this stuff. Um, like all these titles that really have no weight other than they're just like sort of maybe humorous. Um, and I think that's what Deadpool's going to turn into. And again, that's taking the wrong message from a run that has been for the most part, most part, uh, Placed, yeah, so. it's weird because I don't really consider myself a big Deadpool fan, but I, because of Mutantversity, the column that I do, I've had to read more Deadpool than I've ever read before. <laughs> and, um, like, this book is pretty good. It's, it's, it's gonna be weird to revert to, like, really sophomoric kind of weird jokes. Um, because I did read, um, a little bit of the rocket raccoon book and that was pretty good only because it it wasn't it wasn't forcing itself to be edgy where i think like i hate fairyland and what he would do with deadpool would be forcing it himself to do like that faux edgy thing and that bums me out because i really think his art is very good so it's kind of like could you just not write deadpool please (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think it was more like I saw that and it's like, this is just going to be funny for the sake of being funny without any sort of underlying um, plot or exciting anything going on. Um, Like, it's just going to be dead humor that has no weight. Um, And I think that bumps me out because I think that there. There's something really tragic about Deadpool. That's like also humorous. And like you got to balance those things. So I don't know. I could be wrong. Like this might be the the best thing that Scotty Young's ever written, and we're all just going to get our pants blown off or whatever. But or at least they would if I bothered to check it out out of curiosity, which I won't. <laughs> Same. <Hey-o. laughs> um. Cool. Cool. Well, we're going to take another quick break, and then we'll come back for the last part of this episode. Talk about Infinity Countdown number one, and we'll see you then. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, and we're back. So this week we're going to be digging in a little bit to Infinity Countdown number one, the prequel to the five-issue five prequel to Marvel's next biggest event, which seems a little bit excessive, but what do I know? Um, uh, nonetheless, uh, this is so written by, written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Mike Diodato Jr. and Aaron Cooter, um, sort of setting the stage for what I'm presuming is going to be called Infinity End, uh, which I guess is going to be what I'm anticipating is the cosmic event that's going to lead into 
the like relaunch of all the cosmic stuff and maybe like wave two of Marvel first start or whatever else. Um, but we're going to dig in a little bit here. So um, guys, what are some of your, some of your first impressions or thoughts about, about this book? Yeah. So uh, Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Earlier today you were like, Hey guys, we have the uh, review copy available for like, for infinity countdown number one. And I was like, Oh my God. Awesome. Like a number one, I can jump right in. And so I tried (laughs) and um, I I haven't really been keeping up with any of the stuff. Uh, Scratch that. I have not, not, I haven't really, I have not been keeping up with any of the stuff related to this. So um, yeah, so I went into the issue and I was like, all right, this is like, this is issue eight of nine in a, guardians of the galaxy storyline infinity like the infinity countdown number one and then i get to the issue and i see the or the end of the issue and i see the checklist and it says that there is infinity prime number one <laughs> or infinity prime that was like the i guess the zero yeah. issue but the that prime. was the, the prequel to the prequel to the prequel yeah so i got really mad and i was like oh i thought this was just like the next part of guardians of the galaxy which i also wasn't reading so i was like oh okay so i went back and i read infinity prime and i read through that and i realized that none of what i wanted was in there none of the questions that i had were answered in that and it just set up the stuff that was on like the little diagram page at the beginning of infinity countdown number one, which I studied <laughs> intensely so, so that I would be able to understand the issue. Um, so yeah. I may not know what went on in the issue, but I do know that uh, Wolverine had the time stone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, he had the space stone. <sighs> See, and the Super Scroll had the time stone. <laughs> the Super Scroll, because yeah, like Wolverine yeah. can time travel now, and the Super <laughs> Scroll wants to like see. Like I know, no, because all the all the stones changed colors so that they could match their uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. That was just a terrible idea on everybody's part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's corporate synergy. No, it's making things more confusing for everyone. Um, the oh, synergy should have been yeah. done in the Marvel like cinematic universe, but I digress. Um, the I'm like holding onto my computer screen, like so that I can have something to ground me right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. I okay at the very end of Infinity Prime, which was before Infinity Countdown number one. Um, they gave a nine page, like thorough, uh, description of exactly what has happened to the infinity stones from inception. And this thing was nine pages and I read the whole thing. And at a certain point you're like, okay, you can tell that the story just keeps on repeating and repeating and repeating for no reason other than like, they keep on trying to retell the same story. And I was like, well, clearly that's what this is going to lead to. Like, I don't, I feel like it would have been more interesting if I hadn't read that whole recap. Um, yeah, and anyway, the art was amazing. Uh, Aaron Cooter is fantastic. I love, I love his art, but we can talk more about that in a second. Uh, I want to hear your guys' initial thoughts. Yeah, just why don't you go ahead? Um, so... 
you told us to read this one issue, and so that's all I read. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, um, I right. did not even go back to any of the other stuff because I thought, like, I read this, like, right before we started. And then when I got to the end, I was like, wow. So I don't really understand what happened here. I don't know how any of these people got any of these stones. Okay, I don't know how any of this happened. Mm -hmm. Like, Captain Marvel has one of the stones. When did that happen? So, I don't know how any of that happened, and I don't. I thought Black Widow was dead. Apparently, she's not, and now she has a stone. Yeah, I thought she was so dead, So, now she, she's got a stone? I don't know. Um, I, I honestly do not know what to make of the issue. I, I refuse to go back and read a whole bunch of other stuff when it says number one on the cover. How is that not a good place to start? Isn't that the point of a number one? So I don't know what happened here. I don't know why any of this is a thing. I don't know why they're fighting the gardener. I don't know what this whole thing with Groot is. I don't know how anyone got these stones. I don't know. That's Those are my thoughts. I don't know. Yeah, I adjusted my expectations like midway through the issue. I was like, okay, fine. This is just a Guardians of the Galaxy story. It's the end of a story that I haven't read like all the beginning of. I can accept that. And then I got to the last two pages and Black Widow shows up and I was like, what is what is this comic? And I still don't know. I thought she was I thought she died. Like yeah. I thought the Tales of Suspense series was just like from what I understood, it was like Hawkeye and and Captain America Bucky just kind of trying Bucky. like oh Bucky trying to like make sense of her death or something, and they're on like a trip together. I don't know what they're doing, but I thought she was dead. So now she has a stone somehow. Wolverine, why did Wolverine leave her a stone? Did I miss something there? Yeah, so that I had that same thought at that moment. But Nick, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that might actually be like a story thread that they're going to pick up on in the next issue. But then again, like maybe not. <laughs> I kind of hope so. I think they might, because like the, one of the, the checklists for the event has a, there's an infinity countdown, black widow number one. So maybe that'll tell the story of why Wolverine left her this note. Yeah. I'm with you, Jess. I thought she was dead. And I thought the tales of suspense book was, yeah, was Bucky and, uh, and Clint coming to terms with that. Um, and if she's come back in that series and that's happened already, then I've completely missed that because I didn't get that at all. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here that I didn't get. Um, and I went back today and read Guardians of the Galaxy 149 and 150. Um, so the, you know, the legacy issues. And then I read. So, so I don't know if y'all remember this. So they, they canceled guardians of the galaxy at one fifty. issue. Number one fifty one had already been solicited. Uh, and I think issue one fifty one more or less got turned into. So there was the infinity countdown prime. And then before that, there was the infinity countdown, Adam Warlock number one issue. That was like the prequel to the prequel to the prequel to this event thing. Um, Cause Adam Warlock came back in, guardians 150 um and so there's the there's the adam warlock one shot and then there's infinity countdown prime and then there's this infinity countdown number one and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in all those four issues before this issue that lead into all this and even having read all of that too 
there was stuff in Infinity Count and that I still didn't pick up on or understand. And I don't know if it's because I haven't been reading Duggan's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy run since he started, or if like there's other cosmic plot threads that I just like have missed entirely. I don't really know. As for when everybody got the stones and everything, so so Wolverine got the Space Stone in Marvel Legacy number one when he came back. Um, Captain Marvel has apparently gotten this reality stone in her legacy series. Like apparently that's been the story that's kind of been unfolding. Um, uh, the power stone, this like big ass mountain of a stone thing has showed up in, in Duggan's run. Um, and I think it did its thing right before legacy started. Uh, that's three. Um, the, the Sealess Daredevil villain that's got the Yellowstone, which I don't even know what it is at this point. Um, I don't think that's been explained at all, but there's going to be a one shot in the series explaining that. I think the scroll that's got the time stone, I think just happened in, uh, in this series. And then the soul stone that apparently Ultron has because he killed the evil Adam Warlock person in an infinity countdown prime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was in prime. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, the you know weird Hank Pym Ultron thing that showed up in Secret Empire but didn't really do anything and has been like a thing for the last few years because Hank Pym and Ultron are like the same being or whatever the hell else. Um, yeah, it's all sorts of weird. I don't get a lot of it. I think the like the Ultron stuff because Duggan was writing Uncanny Avengers. And he had some of that in that title, I think. So he's kind of been taking up some of this story. So maybe at the end of this, we'll get like Hank Pym back and that's cool. Um, yeah, this story's weird. Kevin, uh, you started saying this, but didn't finish the thought. Do you think that uh, Infinity Prime or Infinity? No, Jesus. Infinity <laughs> Countdown number one, the issue that we're talking about, uh, do you think that was mostly what was originally scheduled for Guardians of the Galaxy number 151? So I think I think that the Infinity Countdown Adam Warlock number one, I think parts of it and parts of Infinity Countdown Prime were Guardians of the Galaxy 151 and maybe 152. And I think this this issue was supposed to be like Guardians of the Galaxy 152, 153 or something. I think okay. maybe part of what happened is that Marvel decided that this this Guardian, at least like the Guardians part of the story, was big enough that it needed to warrant its own miniseries because maybe people would read it. If it wasn't like the main Guardians of the Galaxy title, like if they thought it was an event, then they would look at it more than just Duggan's uh, other title. Because I'm sure the plan maybe was to give wolverine the 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 times or the space stone or whatever the heck and then let margaret stoll write the captain marvel getting the reality stone thing Uh, but that would have left the other four stones to duggan and guardians of the galaxy and i guess maybe they thought that wasn't fair that didn't make sense because this is absolutely like leading to some big event that's going to start you know august september whatever um i have to think that they're smart enough to have had that planned out for at least like the last year or so um, so yeah, I think a lot of this material has been retooled from guardians of the galaxy, especially too, because Aaron Cooter is one of the artists for, that I, I have a Duggan. question. Why is Drax no longer a destroyer? 
Like, what's up with that? What happened to him? Uh, I, I think so. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just based on the uh, diagram, <laughs> uh, he has to <laughs> master his mind in order to use the power of the power stone. So I was thinking maybe that was why. Like, he was trying to find his Zen so that he would be able to use that power. And then, yeah, so maybe he just temporarily relinquished his role as Destroyer. But that was just what I thought, yeah. There was a whole four-issue miniseries where he became a Buddhist monk. I don't know why you haven't read it. Wow, okay. I don't know if you're being serious. I'm being sarcastic. Uh, Yeah, I think at the beginning of of Duggan's run, that was one of the things that they did with Drax. Uh, they made him a pacifist or whatever. Um, Cause they're like, Oh, we're putting all these characters together that are in this movie. We got to change a handful of little things. Cause we're going to make Groot a baby. So we'll make Drax somebody who doesn't like to see, kill people. See, that's another thing. Like, when did that happen? See, like, I feel like you needed to give us like at least a page where you kind of said that stuff. But then at the same time, from what I now understand, there were like issues before this I should have read. So that was probably all explained because I was just totally lost. I I don't know how any of this became a thing. And that is not a good comic to me. I I was completely lost at a number one. What's up with that? Marvel. (laughs) Marvel. 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 Yeah, no, I I completely agree with uh, with that thought. Um, yeah, that happened. That was an all new Guardians of the Galaxy number one or whatever, because um, that's what this started as. You know, I guess because because Duggan relaunched it and it was it was that and it was bi monthly and it started in that. And I think the story has started in that. So like this has been a whole year or so in the making already. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of info that that people need to read this. Uh, There's a lot of backstory that people need to read this. And if you're right, like in a number one issue, especially in a number one issue for an event comic, um, you shouldn't have had to read all of this backstory to understand exactly what's going on. Like this is not, this is not accessible. Like we're people who like traffic in reading comics and like read more comics than the average person. And all three of us are still lost reading this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Comics are dumb. <laughs> Comics are dumb. Um, Nick, you kind of took us to this a little bit in your kind of opening remarks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Cooter's art. Yeah. Uh, you go ahead. You could you could take off. All right. I love him. <laughs> um, he has his style is so unique. Just among. Marvel, I feel like he's so good at creating fully realized environments for everything. Um, and I, Jordi Belair did a really great job, like making his art even better. So, oh, agreed. The colors in this are amazing. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Um, so Aaron Cooter, his like his outlines tend to be sort of uh, like shakier. You know, like as if he like when he made the the pen stroke, uh, like his hand was shaking a little. And uh, but he does that stylistically in certain places. And I think that just gives his work a style all its own. Um, his staging 
for everything is just so interesting. Like a panel that really stood out to me uh, near the beginning, Star-Lord is coming in like from the, from above the panel and he's like arcing down and then back up. And so you can see the, uh, the trail behind him. He is pointing one gun to the left, like to the left back corner of the panel and then one to the front right corner of the panel. So like he's diagonal and it creates this uh, illusion of depth. And uh, you also have the arc that he's coming in on and it just creates this fully realized environment. Um, And then Jordi Belair, she colors each of those three different streaks as uh, just things that complement each other really nicely. And yeah, just every panel has some sort of really interesting staging like that. Uh, And it just creates a really interesting dynamic world. Um, He also, his characters are all very, very expressive. And he, uh, he uses a lot of like uh, sort of animation techniques where his characters will be just a little bit over expressive, like compared to reality. And that'll really make uh, just their emotions like stand out. Um, and that also helps when he's drawing something like Baby Groot, um, because it can occupy this space uh, where Baby Groot is like this really cartoony, ridiculous thing that has like these crazy emotions. And then in the next panel, you'll have the gardener who is just this very realistic, uh, realistic looking person, but his facial expressions are very animated and uh, yeah, he's, he's naked Alan Moore. <laughs> Exactly. He is. Um, yeah, but man, I love Aaron Cooter. His art, beautiful. Do you guys have any comments on that? Uh, I mean, I'm just going to basically back up what you said. I don't have too much more to add to that. I think he's really good at what he does. And when he was doing the Superman books, like, I, I felt a lot of that. Like, he's so good at what he does and very good at just making superheroes do superhero things. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, this is why he's one of Marvel's young guns. Um, yeah, I I, I think, uh, like, everything that you said is is totally is totally accurate. And, and even the, like, even when you were talking about it, like, there's some of the lines that are, like, that are kind of shaky. Like, this art, like it's beautiful and like, like the coloring's beautiful, but like there are parts of it that are like sort of like unrefined. And I guess like in, in the hands of some people that would be uh, like made to look like it might be ugly, I guess. Um, but like in his hands, it's just like, is it just adds to the beauty, I guess. Like there, there's some mm-hmm. um, like characters in some moments where uh, like stuff in the foreground is like sort of detailed, like all the, all the, like the baby Groot stuff. Like he always looks like he's like very distinct, but then there's like some like where, you know, like you know, all these big hulking figures in the background, like the the full page where there's like the big Groot looking um, thing in the middle of the comic or um, just like or like the page where uh, like uh, what is it like Richard Ryder like dives in and like hits the gardener or whatever else. Like there's all this stuff going on in the background that's um, like just like less stylized and what's going on in the foreground. And it's like this kind of beautiful contrast that I think in the hands of another artist would have been, mm-hmm. uh, not handled as well. Yeah. And that was, uh, I thought a lot of Jordi Belair's work also. 
um, because Eric Cooter uh, did a lot of like in the foliage, there was like that sort of shaky, sort of messy, naturalistic uh, outlines of everything. And in a lot of spaces, he left wide open. Uh, either he left it wide open or he'd just detail it a little bit so that then Jordi Belair could come in and really fill it in. Um, so I felt like the two really worked with each other well. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so besides like the story being sort of convoluted and weird, what did like, what do you think about like, like Duggan's like dialogue and like his handle on these characters and such? Um, I mean, it, it, it was fine. It's just like, it's hard for me to talk about the parts of this book when I honestly felt so disoriented reading it because I had no idea what was going on, but, um, the back and forth were pretty good. I think um, it wasn't as obnoxious as the movie because the movies really do like, I, I don't like the movies. Um, but so I think that worked. Um, it's a, it's a well-crafted comic. I just was not prepared for it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, gonna pretty much agree with that. Um, and I also want to add uh uh, I'm not super familiar with these characters, so I really don't know how they should or shouldn't act. I mean, like everything that they did, it was like, it was fine. I just, it was hard to tell what was, you know, like in character or what like sounded good or made sense for them to say in the moment when I was so disoriented. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, no, that that all makes a lot of sense. I guess having like read those other few issues that... Uh, that set some of this up that they all hadn't read. Like, um, like Duggan kind of has the style to his, to his writing that he like, that's perfect. Again, like for a character like Deadpool, who's like tragically hilarious. Um, where like, he really leans into the humor with most of the things that he writes. Uh, and so like, there is a lot of humor here and it works for all these characters or, or works I guess, at least for the Marvel cinematic universe sort of counterparts of these characters that now exist in the main Marvel universe that they're like, they're tragic, but they're funny. And like, they're all like have things going wrong for them, but they're like this team of misfits. Um, like I love most of the dialogue that he gives to, uh, to Ant-Man, to Scott Lang, um, who is apparently a part of the guardians of the galaxy as when legacy started. Um, another weird thing that you wouldn't know unless you had been reading these comics. Um, I love the dialogue that he gives him, uh, like, I think the stuff that he does with Drax is really funny. Um, I think all the stuff that he does with, with Groot is great. Although I would give most of that probably to Aaron Cooter because literally the only thing that Groot says, at least until the end of the comic is I am Groot. Um, and yeah, like I think Duggan's Duggan's style works for these characters. Like he doesn't write a lot of things that are, I guess like super serious. Uh, and so I'm, I guess I'm anxious to see, what this is going to look like going forward, because I think that this is going to get probably to some places that are, that are kind of dark, just knowing what happens when, you know, people like assemble the infinity gauntlet and, you know, like half the universe dies or whatever else, like he's going to have to go to some places that are kind of more serious than what this is doing. And so I think it'll be interesting to see that going forward. And also to see if he is the one who ends up writing whatever we're counting down to. Um, yeah, I guess that's really the question is what are we 
what are we counting down to? Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was sort of foreshadowed by uh, what I said, the whole like nine page uh, overview of what the infinity stones have done uh, over the years. Like <clears throat> it's always someone brings them all together and then tries to, you know, take over the world or whatever. And then they all get scattered uh, and like held by different people who are supposed to protect them. And then they all come together and then they all go apart into the hands of different people. And then they come together and then they go apart and then they come together and they go apart. And um, I mean, they're starting to come together right now. So it's only a matter of time before someone tries to use them and then they come apart again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I guess like having not read a lot of this until, until now, like I don't know, I don't know who's going to like, who's going to get them all because it sounds like there's a lot of people that want to get their hands on the infinity stones and we don't really know the motivations for them all. I'm really confused as to why still that, that black widow has one of the stones has Wolverine stone. Um, cause that doesn't make any sense. Cause he's been popping around the universe. I want a stone. <laughs> Which one? I, I don't even care at this point. I just, I feel very left out. <laughs> I want one. I, uh, I, I felt like I was stoned reading this comic. Um, uh, stoned like murdered or stoned uh, like high. Definitely. <laughs> definitely the second one, not the bill, not the biblical one. Okay. The one where I get to smoke. Okay. Meat. Um, not that I'm advocating for that, but if you live in a state where that's Okay do whatever you want. Um, anywho, uh, yeah, I don't know why Natasha gets a stone at the end. And like, it really seems like Wolverine's like whole legacy thing has been contingent on him having a stone. And so like for him to just leave one in the top part of a toilet doesn't really make a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It can literally let you teleport anywhere. Any toilet in the world. (laughs) <laughs> any toilet yeah you need to go and he chose that one it's special his special meaning for him uh, well they they said it was um it was black widow's like special drop spot her special <laughs> drop spot <laughs> oh my god i couldn't have made that up mm. oh yeah i don't know what's going on um who knows uh, and maybe like Wolverine needs to not be in this story, even though he's on the cover because like, he's about to go do four mini series. things that are going to talk about why he's back and then he's going to get a new series again. And we're all going to supposedly going to be happy, but I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like there's a lot of things that don't make sense to me. And I don't know what we're counting down to. Like, I don't know who like the main baddie's going to be. Although I have a, a feeling like it's going to be Ultron sort of maybe, um, but this just all kind of seems really convoluted in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I guess as long as we're here, we'll be, uh, it'll at least be on our radar. Unfortunately. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> sadly, sadly, we can all read this comic while we're all in our special drop <laughs> spots and just, uh, reminisce about how weird it is. Anyway. Y'all got any, you got any final thoughts? That's, that's a new euphemism. Yes, I'm talking about reading this comic while you're on the toilet. I mean, that seems Literally. like the only actual way to read this. Yeah, yeah. And I, I 
fear that is the best thing that will come out of this comic <laughs> is that euphemism. I fear. That doesn't mean it's going to be Make true. Make mine Marvel, folks. Make mine Marvel. <laughs> cool. You got any wrap-up thoughts about uh, about this issue? About this series? Nah. Nah. No. No. Nah. no. Cool. Well, folks, that's our show for uh, for this first part of March. We'll be back at the the end of March with uh, some more Make Mine Multiversity. Uh, guys, thanks for being thanks for being on. Where can uh, our listeners find you on the larger interwebs? Jess. Uh, so Nick? I'm. Uh, oh. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'm uh, on Twitter at N Palmieri writes. That is the letter N and then P A L M I E R I and the word rights, the one with a W. Not like the civil rights or human rights, the one about people no. writing. There are no rights related to N. Not Palmieri. the one about rituals no. where like we kill people, but the one about people writing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, I am on Twitter at JustCamNJ. Um, you can follow me there if you want. I tweet about everything, um, except comics. I don't, I don't read comics, so, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, yeah, but you can follow me on there. Nice, nice. And you can find me on Twitter at KBGregory13. You can find all of us at MultiversityComics.com. We'll hope that you check out a number of the other podcasts and other fun articles and reviews and news and things on that website. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and on your other podcast uh, places, things of choice. Please subscribe, tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell your second cousin twice removed. I don't know, whatever the fuck. Anyway, um, cool. We'll be back in a couple weeks with some more Marvel comic content. Uh, Until then... Keep it classy. <laughs> or don't. I watched Anchorman the other day, so that's what I was thinking about. Anyway. Enjoy your special drop spots. Enjoy your special drop spots. That's perfect. All right, we'll end on that note. Bye.